Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace. For the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee. Spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel. From Franklin to the nations of the world. All for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. Thank you so much. Glad to be here, Christ Community Church. Um, let's get started. The fear of punishment. That's what John says. Fear has to do with punishment. Like the root, the fountain of fear has to do with the fear of some kind of punishment. It's an interesting way of describing fear, isn't it? Here's how I think it feels. This is from a poem by uh, George Bilgiri. George Bilgir, he's an American poet. Here's how I think the, the fear of punishment feels. I'm floating in the public pool, dental. I have a premier rewards gold card from American Express, and my car is large. I have traveled to Iceland. In addition, I once met Toni Morrison, the author, at a book signing, and she found some of my remarks extremely interesting. Last month, I was the subject of a local news story called Recyclers, Neighbors Who Care. In short, I'm not someone that you would take lightly. But when I began to playfully splash my wife, the teenage lifeguard raises her megaphone and calls down from her throne, no horseplay in the pool. And suddenly, I'm 12 again, a pale worm at the feet of a blonde and suntan goddess. And I just wish my mom would come pick me up. It's funny. It's also really, really true. That's what I think the fear of punishment feels like. Like maybe a funny way of saying it, but underneath it all, underneath all the fear that's going on right now in our country and the fear that's going on in our neighborhoods and everything and the, just the big swamp of fear on every single side, what's underneath it is a fear of abandonment. A fear of being exposed and left. Of being exposed as a pale worm, as weak and as unwanted at your core and judged. That's the fear of punishment, the mother of all fears. You put your brand on it. So that's what we're going to look at today. One, the fear of punishment. Two, the love that drives it away. And three, so what? The fear of punishment, the love that drives it away, so what? The fear of punishment. 
Fear and punishment. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, judgment, punishment, exposure, the pale worm. I've lost count of how many times in 16-something years of ministry that people tell me how they punish themselves. How they hit themselves in the face. How they cut themselves. How they cuss themselves in the mirror. How they cuss themselves in silence in their own heads. You loser. Things that we would never want anyone else to know we actually say words that maybe we don't ever want anyone to know we use, we use about ourselves. We sentence ourselves and we mete out punishment in a variety of ways and we reenact years of intense rejection. I've lost count of how many stories like that. I've lost count of how I've done that with myself. So there's something so personal about this fear of punishment. There's something that's so real and deep and secret even about the fear of punishment. A reciprocity that goes on between our fear and the punishment that we have on ourselves and the way we punish one another that's related to our fear. I remember when my mom would tell me in Target back in the 80s, that red place that we used to go, I remember doing something, I would often do something wrong, and she would say, you're getting it when your dad gets home. You're getting it. I knew, I knew exactly what that meant, and I'm not endorsing this type of punishment. I'm just telling you a story, okay? And I, just the fear of knowing what I was going to experience when I saw my dad was really intense. It ruined the rest of my time at Target. You know that feeling of dread that pit in your stomach, the feeling, it's the expectation of punishment that produces so much fear. John knew that, and John's best friend, Jesus, knew that. Was what's wrong with us? That we live as people waiting for the other shoe to drop. I talk to my students, and they say they... That things are going well, but they're waiting for the next shoe to drop. As parents waiting for the next shoe to drop. When is this thing going to happen? When is this thing I'm waiting for going to happen? And there's almost this existential dread that we as human beings, that's so buried and it's so implicit and it's so hidden, but it is so poisonous inside of us, isn't it? This sense of dread and punishment that is also related to the sense of our own guilt. And so there is this muck and this mire that's, cre- that's created between our fear of punishment and the guilt that we experience in our conscience, and we try to repress it, and we try to shove it down, or we try to deny it, or we try to point fingers at other people so that we don't have to deal with the gnaw of fear inside of us, the fear of punishment inside of us. That's what so much that's happening between the left and the right and the right and the left and the every single, so much of that has to do with fear and us not wanting to be punished. So we punish each other. It makes us feel safe. 
Like, we're the good guys, but it's all just such an illusion, all these acrobatics to not be afraid. And so what it does is it creates a culture or a community of fear. It produces a system of fear. See, fear is systemic, that it shapes us even in the marrow, the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about other people and the language that we use. And so we're parts of these cultures of fear that go all the way down to that one pale worm that we feel like. So you can call it what you want. Maybe it's the fear of getting sick. Maybe it's the fear of dying. Maybe it's a fear of condemnation. Maybe it's a fear of people. Maybe it's a fear of being wrong. Maybe it's a fear of looking uncool. Maybe it's a fear of failure, a fear of success. Maybe it's a fear of fear. Maybe it's a fear of being controlled. My doctor looked at me last week And I remember he was wearing his mask, and I remember the only time that he looked very animated. I've ever noticed my doctor looking animated, almost tears in his eyes, glossy, almost look in his eyes, misty look. And he looked at me and he said, so many people are terrified. I don't remember anything else he said. So many people are terrified right now. I wonder if he wasn't talking about himself. Jesus knew it, John knew it, this fear, the fear of punishment. And this resonated, that hold on to that, and now hear this, by this love is perfected with us. So we may have confidence in the day of judgment, the day of judgment, the day of reckoning. All other judgment days, lowercase. Because as he is, so are we in the world. We are beloved because he is beloved, is what he's saying there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So John is having us come to terms with fear. Look at it. Look at your fear. He uncovers it. Look at what part of your story that you're afraid of being exposed by the suntan goddess no horseplay and you feel like a pale worm waiting for your mom to pick you up what makes you feel powerless what makes you feel helpless what causes you to wake up in the middle of the night what thing do you want to repress and suppress and explain and numb as you look at it How is it driven away? Not by a strategy. By a person. How is fear driven, literally cast away? By love. God is love. He loves the pale worm that you hate. He adores the pale worm. He's best friends with the pale worm. In fact, that's the truest part of you is closest to him. How do we know he's love? And this is love. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. 
The love of God was made manifest. It was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. If John said anything, he said this over and over and over again. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love caused God to give himself for us. The real you. All of you. And all of him absorbs all of you and all of the punishment. Jesus became the sum of all of our fears. He went underneath our fears. He was so isolated. He was so rejected. He was so punished that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was bleeding and crying and sweating until he dripped with blood. Even on the cross, he became the curse himself. The greatest, Jesus became your greatest fears. And he sees you. He sees through all the facades. He sees through all the insecurities. He sees us in all of our hiding places. He sees the kid the alone, the afraid, wanting his mom to pick him up, the girl who doesn't like the way she looks, the people who cuss themselves in the mirror and punch themselves in the face, the people who want to hide and run, he sees, he sees. You see, the person who completely knows you is the person who completely loves you. The one who completely, exhaustively knows you in a way that is better than you could ever know yourself, who knows everything about you, exhaustively, past, present, and future, completely. The parts of ourselves that we shove down drives away fear. Even on the day of judgment, it drives away fear. He says... The person who fears has not been perfected in love. What does that mean? I've heard that verse a lot. Like, perfected in love is like, oh, great. I'm not going to be good at this either. Right? You look at something like that, like, perfected in love. Like, this is something else I'm not going to be good at in Christianity. But that's not what he's saying. Perfected in love means it's a love you already have. You're just not enjoying it. He already loves you. He can't love you more than he does right now because he's loved you before you were ever born. He loved you before he created the cosmos. He loved you before you ever did X, Y, or Z. He loved you before you learned to walk, before you ever learned to walk, before you ever learned to ride your bike and scraped your knee. He loved you before you got an A or an F. He loved you before, before, and he loves you after because he loves you in eternity outside of time. Does that blow your mind? Yes, then you're kind of tiptoeing into what it means to be loved by the eternal one who is love. To be perfected in love means to sink down into it. You already have it. How do you sink down into it? You face your fears with love. That's a process. That's a process. That's a slow process. And it's scary, and there's a chill to it. But as the chill of fear comes up, the warmth of his love covers it. We let it sink down and 
to the guilty parts, to the dirty places, to the worries, to the insecurities, the more that we name and move towards our fears and move towards the darkness, the more that we experience him driving the fear away, the way a light does in a dark room. Our power went out a few weeks ago, or two weeks ago, I'll lose count. I don't have any concept of time anymore. I mean, it went out. It was like 4 a.m. I don't know. I just woke up. I just sensed that the power was out. Isn't that weird? And I woke up, and it's dark. Like, dark. Like, not even a microwave, like, clock light. And I remember, like, turning on my phone and how in the darkness just a little bit of light just cast it all away. It's just a little bit of light that goes into the darkest places that casts away that fear. And as we experience that fear, we can experience that love. It drives it away. That's what John is saying. So what? What do we do with that? It's our last point. Nothing is more important than relationships. I I don't think that's an overstatement. Nothing is more important. Life is relationship. Because God is relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we're made in his image to do relationship. As one mentor once said, it's so simple, that's why you don't understand it. We want to understand complicated things. This is so simple, so we just walk right past it. Life is relationship. So what does that have to do with love and fear? It means that everything that John is saying about the healing of fear is relational. Everything that John is saying about the healing of fear cannot happen in your isolation. It happens only in relationship. First, a relationship with God. A real relationship with Jesus where you say, Jesus, I don't even know if you're here. I'm scared. I don't even know. I don't know anything. I don't even know how to relate to you. Where you're truly honest childlike honesty with God. This is where I am. Where are you? Naming your fear with God, that's the first relationship. But the second one is friends. And you just need one. You just need one other person to look at you as you are and not go away. That's all the research, Brene Brown and Kurt Thompson, you can, whoever you like to read, so much about in Christianity. The good news is theoretical without community. One of the reasons that the gospel seems so theoretical and so abstract may have to do with the fact that you're not bringing who you really are with any other person in your life. The gospel is kind of still in the wrapper without other people. It's to be known by God to be known by yourself, to know yourself, and to be known by others. Now, that's so simple. That's why we don't understand it. It means praying. If you don't have someone like that, that's, one, that's the reason Christ community exists. It's called Christ community, right? <laughs> the reason a church exists is for community, for people who feel like pale worms to come in out of the darkness and out of the cold 
so that one other person could see him and tell him that God loves him. I don't know any other reason I want to be part of a church. That's it. You can do that this afternoon. And that's the most practical I could possibly be. What is your fear? What does it look like to bring your fear to God and to other people? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to talk about your goodness, to talk about your love. All of us have fears. And it's really hard for us to admit that, for some of us. Because we have created so many coping mechanisms. We've created so many ways, so many strategies. And what we need is you. Thank you, Jesus, for being so patient, for being our good shepherd. You know us by name. That you've come to give us life and life to the full. Would you heal these people and heal me? Continue to perfect us in love as we sink deeper into your love. In Jesus' name, amen.